The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Transformational Healing, With your host, Dr. Bonnie Morrow, there are a variety of techniques for hands-on healing that can help you move closer to your vision of good health. In our program, we discuss both the business and science of dealing with different aspects of the healthy community with specialists in various energy practices. Now, here is Dr. Bonnie Morrow. Hello, welcome to Transformational Healing. This is Dr. Bonnie. I'm so glad you're with us today. Welcome to the world out there. We know you're out there listening, and we're excited to have you listening. And today we have a very special guest. Her name, it's a funny name. It almost makes me smile to say it. It's Cindy Wigglesworth. Miss Wigglesworth, are are you there? I am, Dr. Bonnie. Lovely to be here today. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, Your name makes me smile. I hear that a lot. I have people start laughing and going, you're kidding, is that real? And I go, (laughs) yes, it's real. It's from a town in England, which my husband's family traces its ancestry to. Ah, okay. So he does his genealogy, huh? Uh, He wasn't that interested, but I was. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So um, would you like to say a shout out to the England people? Our England British listeners that are online? Of course. Uh, Always love to visit the United Kingdom. And for those of you who are from Yorkshire, you know exactly where the town of Wigglesworth is. So hello to all of our friends in Europe and around the world, but especially the UK today. Thank you. Thank you. So, Cindy, what? I know you're a best selling author. And what's the name of your book? The book is called. SQ21, and the subtitle is The 21 Skills of Spiritual Intelligence. Oh, wow. Can you tell us about the book? Sure. So spiritual intelligence, or SQ, is kind of like IQ. It's a type of intelligence. In this world of psychology, initially, the thinking was there would be only one intelligence that could be measured. It would be one giant measure of intelligence, and that was called IQ, or the intelligence quotient. And what they were measuring back then is the kind of stuff we would measure on an SAT or ACT college entrance exam now, problem-solving, analytical skills, mathematical skills, verbal skills. What has been determined over time is that there is a much bigger thing happening in terms of the world of human intelligences, plural, because IQ alone could not predict success. And the thought was that there was only one, and if we measured it, we'd be able to predict people's success. But that turned out not to be true. It led to a very diversified understanding of intelligence, which includes emotional intelligence or people's interpersonal skills 
and emotional self-awareness, and now what I've been working on, the field of spiritual intelligence. So it's actually, from the world of psychology, it falls in the domain of multiple intelligences. Interesting. And your book has won an award, has it not? It's won a couple of awards. It won an award for Best Spiritual Book of 2013 for the Independent Publishers Awards. Great. Great. Congratulations. Thank you. Very exciting. Yeah, a lot of research and effort went into it, and I think that's part of what they recognized, because spiritual books are a very broad category, but I think it's unusual to find a book about spirituality that has so much grounding and research, and that was on purpose, because I wanted to be able to have a conversation with people, whether they were in a business setting or a personal setting or a church setting or a temple or wherever, People are people wherever they are, including in their workplaces, but many spiritual conversations can't be had in the workplace if they're not carefully grounded in research and if the language is not excruciatingly careful. And so I have been very, very careful with my language. I understand that. I see from your resume that you worked for ExxonMobil. I did. I worked there for 20 years in human resources, so I was very aware of the legitimate concerns around diversity and around not making anything worse. If you bring up the topic of religion in a workplace, it's very easy to inflame people's emotions and get into a, you know, my religion's better than your religion, or are you advocating for a religion, which of course you can't do in the workplace. You might make the people who are agnostic or atheist feel very uncomfortable. So I came out of a background working for a company with a strong engineering bias, a lot of scientists, and a really deep training in diversity that made me appreciate whatever I did, if it was going to call forth the noblest aspect of a human being, which is what SQ is supposed to do, call forward our highest self, I'd have to be really careful not to inflame tensions by the way I talked about it. Right. Both my husband and I are uh, ExxonMobil retirees, so we understand. I did not know that. Oh, my gosh, what a small world. Yes, it is. Where did you work? At I worked Street? in quite a few places. I started uh, downtown Houston, the old Exxon building on Bell Street, which is no longer an Exxon office. And I transferred around to a bunch of different locations, New Orleans, Connecticut. I worked in New York City when World Headquarters was there. Um, came back to Houston, worked in several locations in Houston. So the good thing about HR, human resources, was I could work in any part of the company. So I got a very broad exposure to all the different aspects of the business. Right, right. And about I you? appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Yes. How about you? Uh, well, I, was, I worked in public affairs, and mm-hmm. I did not work there very long. About my art background did not get me to fit in the engineering role very well. And mm-hmm. my husband was there for 27 years. He's a chemist. Ah, fantastic. Yeah, I worked at Exxon Chemicals for a while. Is that where he was? Uh-huh. We both were chemicals. Well, sounds like we have much to talk about beyond the radio show. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? Okay, so tell me about the 21 skills of spiritual intelligence. Can we do well, that, that in an hour? 
Oh, yes. Now, we're not going to be able to cover them all, but what I think your readers would be intrigued about is what I'd like to cover. So can I just kind of launch into what I think they might be interested in? Yes, ma'am. Okay. So the, the thing that intrigued me about spiritual intelligence, before I even knew what to call it, was finding a way to describe the skills of the noblest people that have ever walked this planet. Like, how could I be a little bit more like these amazing people? Martin Luther King Jr. comes to mind, since this is the week in which we celebrate him. Um, Gandhi, Nelson Mandela, the Dalai Lama, Jesus, many other exemplars that people would call to mind. What if we could teach ourselves how to be just even a little more like that. How many world problems could we solve? And as I was pondering that question, I got exposed, and this was a many years' worth of pondering process, I got exposed to the work of Daniel Goleman on emotional intelligence. And I thought, wow, this research is so exciting that he and Richard Boyatzis had done together, and they had created this emotional intelligence assessment, and they had described emotional intelligence as skills with levels and that you could teach it and you could teach it to engineers. So, you know, you and I having the similar background in the oil industry, I thought how great that there's a way to teach good social skills and good emotional self-awareness in a rational, logical, research-based way. How helpful is this going to be? And not only that, but gee, I wish somebody had taught me that in my 20s. I sure, sure could have benefited from all of that. And as I got enamored of this and I was studying this, it occurred to me that a skills-based approach might be the next step, the next step beyond emotional intelligence, which was skills-based. Take that mode, take that style of research and apply it to spirituality. That's how I got launched in this whole thing was, can I describe the people I most want to emulate what sets them apart that's beyond IQ and beyond EQ? It's the next set of skills that just makes them stand out. And as I did this work to try and compile what were the skills of these exemplary people, I found a pattern was emerging. And that was very exciting to me. I ended up leaving Exxon to do this work so I could spend full time focusing on it. And we ended up, I hired some PhDs to help me, but, but I had to do the heavy slogging at the beginning of saying, how do I describe these and what's their relationship? I used the Daniel Goleman-Richard Boyatzis template of four quadrants, and they had, at that time, 18 skills. They've modified their model over time. But, you know, they had these four quadrants of how the skills laid out. And the first quadrant was around emotional self-awareness, The second quadrant was around emotional self-management. The third quadrant was around social awareness. And the fourth quadrant was the outcome quadrant of the other three, which was around good social skills or good interpersonal skills. And I thought, what if there is a similar relationship in the spiritual intelligence skills with four quadrants, where we have to start understanding our interior, our self-awareness. We have to understand other people. I ended up calling that quadrant universal awareness. We have to manage ourselves. I called that social mastery. Um, it's higher self, and I call that one higher self, ego self mastery. And then the fourth quadrant I called social mastery and spiritual presence. Again, the outcome quadrant. 
So once I set that template up, I then populated the template with skills, which include things like being aware of your life purpose, being aware of your values, and in the first quadrant, the most important skill, being aware of your ego self and your higher self. Once I describe a skill, I would then say, okay, can I describe each skill from the amateur to the expert level? In order to pass a research threshold for this, you must be able to do this. If you cannot describe your skills and prove that they exist in the world, going from sort of an apprentice or novice level up to an expert, you don't actually have skills. You have something else. So I described all 21 of these skills from level one, most basic, to level five, most advanced. In the sense of being aware of ego self and higher self, it's like at level one, I just know that I have an ego. I've heard of that thing. I know that thing exists. You know, by the time I'm halfway through, I've gotten pretty good at hearing the voice of my ego self, and I can hear the voice of my higher self, the nobler side of me, or you might call it your soul or your spirit. By the time you get to level five, the higher self is in charge. So the higher self is the dominant voice that you're listening to. So this was a, obviously a whole lot of work to take these 21 skills and do this, but it became the foundation of a questionnaire, and the questionnaire became the foundation of the research, which we used through multiple levels of validation to show that we do seem to be describing what it is that we're trying to describe, and it does, in fact, meet the minimum criteria to be an intelligence. So it was pretty exciting. Good. Well, congratulations. This is a lot of work. Oh, my gosh, yeah. It's a 20-year it's a commitment so far. <laughs> and it, it was a full-on eight years of nonstop effort to get the questionnaire created and validated. Wow. And so it, the questionnaire is with the 21 skills or just one skill? I'm sorry, I didn't want understand that. It's it's called SQ21, and it's all 21 skills. Good. Okay, let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Dr. Bonnie Morrow's passion is to make healing available in every home around the world. You can find out more about Healing Touch classes available wherever you are. Dr. Bonnie is here to share her knowledge and expertise in energy medicine as both a teacher and facilitator. To use Healing Touch for those you love, contact Healing Touch Texas for a class schedule. You can contact Dr. Bonnie via email at HealingTouchTX at AOL.com or visit the website at transformational-healing.org. Step by step, you made it through the journey of pregnancy. Now your baby is in your arms, and you're on the cusp of a new journey, breastfeeding. As a new parent, you receive a lot of advice, much of it conflicting, some of it outdated. Tune into Born to be Breastfed with host Marie Biancuso. To bust through the myths about feeding your baby, Marie and her guests will help you figure out what you can expect 
and put you on the best and surest path on your breastfeeding journey. Listen every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We all want to live a healthy, vibrant life. With so many toxins in our world, it becomes an uphill battle. Inflammation is the premise of all disease and comes from four sources of toxins. With a proper understanding of toxins as well as proper detoxification and nutrition, disease can be avoided. Tune in to Whole Healthy Living with Sharon Brennan and learn how you can live a clean, whole, and healthy life in a toxic world. Start your journey Fridays at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Transformational Healing. To reach Dr. Bonnie Morrow or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to HealingTouchTX at AOL.com. Now, back to Transformational Healing. Welcome back to Transformational Healing. This is Dr. Bonnie with our guest today, Cindy Wigglesworth. So before we went to break, we were talking about the 21 skills of spiritual intelligence. And now I think Cindy will define them for us. Yeah, well, there's some very big definitions that I like to start with because the quote-unquote elephant in the room is always, is this about religion? And if it's not, what are you talking about? And so I'd like to start with the definition of what is spirituality. The definition that I use of spirituality, because there's a hundred of them or more out on the Internet, but the one that I like is that spirituality is an innate human need to be connected to something larger than ourselves, something that we consider to be sacred or noble, particularly virtuous, or you might even say divine. So let's unpack that a little bit, an innate human need. That comes from the work of Abraham Maslow, a very famous psychologist who helped us turn the corner from focusing mostly on what made people mentally ill, which is where a lot of the mental health psychology world had been up until that point, to instead look at what made people healthiest. What did the healthiest adults look like? Many people are, fa- are familiar with Abraham Maslow's pyramid, his hierarchy of needs, where the top level of the pyramid was self-actualization. So you had basic survival at the bottom and you had self-actualization at the top. What his final book talk- talked about, and his final book was actually published after his death because he was working on it when he died, his final book talked about the importance of the next level of adult development, which went beyond self-actualization to what he called self-transcending. So the self-actualizing, self-transcending individual was beyond the person who's just be all you can be, which sounds very kind of career-oriented and almost like a poster for the military or something, be all you can be. Self-actualizing is sort of the peak of the career self, you know, the self that wants to achieve But then there's a self that's beyond ego that starts to emerge after that stage in the most highly developed adults. And as he described those people, there was a loss of ego, a deep commitment to being of service, this sense of peacefulness in spite of the craziness of the world, 
that starts to sound like the people we think of as saints and spiritual exemplars. So as I was forming my definition of spirituality, I thought I'm going to tap into Maslow's concept of this is an innate human need. It's not a special thing. We've all got it. We are all born spiritual in this sense. Once we take care of our most basic survival needs, we move into relationship needs, we move into self-actualization, along the line, the need to be connected to something larger than our career or larger than our small self emerges. So from that sense, spirituality is an innate human need to be connected to something larger than ourselves. This leaves room for people to be spiritual regardless of their belief systems, which is a crucial distinction in terms of diversity. If we're going to make this thing work in the workplace, we've got to get past people's belief systems being a big issue. So spirituality, we're all spiritual. That takes some of the tension out of the room immediately. Are you saying I'm not spiritual? No, I'm saying everybody's spiritual. The question is, have you developed the skills of spiritual intelligence? which I'll come back to. So what's the difference between spirituality and religion? If you think of spirituality as this very large word, we're all innately spiritual. We may have tapped into that yet now, or we may not yet have tapped into it, but that capacity exists in everyone. What's religion? Well, religion is the smaller term. It is a set of beliefs, rituals, practices, sacred texts, a community of practitioners, who have come together around a particular lineage, around a particular spiritual path designed to help you meet your spiritual needs, designed ideally to help you develop your spiritual intelligence. So spirituality is shared by all of us. Religion is a more narrow word. You can be spiritual without being religious. Does that make sense? That makes sense. Yeah. I find those two definitions, oh, people just relax. You know, <laughs> some of yes. the tension goes out of the room. So then we can talk about, okay, what is spiritual intelligence? And I spent a long time coming to my definition of how do I describe that. But if you think of the spiritual exemplars, and I have people do this exercise all the time, name your spiritual exemplars. Who are the people you most admire? And we get these lists of names, like I've mentioned before, Nelson Mandela, Martin Luther King, the Dalai Lama, Mother Teresa, the Pope. You know, various people will be listed depending on which country I'm in there'll be a little bit of variety. But then the second question is really the more exciting question. What are the characteristics that cause you to admire these people? And the characteristics are so similar, it's just really actually quite heartening. It's things like integrity, courage, compassion, wisdom, nonviolent, authentic, um, able to sustain faith no matter what is going on around them. And there'll be this beautiful long list of virtues that are exceptional. And then I'll say to people, okay, if you look at that list of virtues, would you like to be a little bit more like that? And almost everybody says, yeah, you know, that's pretty high standard, but, you know, a little more like that. Yes, I'd like to. I don't know if I'm gunning for sainthood here, but a little more <laughs> like that would be great. And then I say, would you like to see more of those characteristics inside your workplaces? And everyone uniformly says yes. And I said, well, do you think leaders would benefit from these skills, like being able to do this? Oh, absolutely, better leaders, yes. So that sort of diffuses the concept of can we have this sort of exemplary behavior in a workplace? A few people will raise the question about 
profits, and, and maybe we can come back to that later, because um, I think the conscious capitalism movement has something to say about a broader way of thinking about profits. But then, you know, we look at this list of, of fabulous characteristics, authentic, courageous, sustaining faith in the face, face of great difficulty, living out from their most authentic, highest, noblest self, and we say, how do we get there? And what does it look like? And how do you describe spiritual intelligence? So then we get to the next level of detail, which is what is the definition of spiritual intelligence? I initially started defining spiritual intelligence as the ability to behave with love, because the most strong theme when people admire these spiritual exemplars is how loving they are. If I said spiritual intelligence is the ability to behave with love, there was one problem with that, which is love in the English language is a very sloppy word. In English, we say, I love my children and I love ice cream. And that is way too broad a usage of the word. So I went looking for better definitions of love, but I didn't want to use agape and philia because it confuses people and it can sound kind of elitist or snobby to use that language. So I found a definition of love from the Eastern traditions, and it says that love is a bird with two wings. One wing is wisdom. The other wing is compassion. If either wing is broken, the bird cannot fly. Oh, that's lovely. That Isn't that is beautiful? lovely. Yes. Yeah, it, it gave me goosebumps when I first read it. And this was back in the days before Google existed. So Internet search engines were really tough to work with. <laughs> but I, yes. <laughs> but I found that definition and I just went, oh, yes, that's it. The ability to behave with wisdom and compassion. So instead of saying the ability to behave with love, I was going to be able to say the ability to behave with wisdom and compassion. Wisdom's the best of our intellect, like intellect plus heart. And compassion is the best of our heart. And so if you can bring the best of your head and the best of your heart together in loving action, oh my gosh, how fabulous is that? That is fabulous. Yeah. So the definition, the full definition is now this. Spiritual intelligence is the ability to behave with wisdom and compassion while maintaining inner and outer peace regardless of the situation. And sometimes the regardless of the situation is a little bit difficult. Oh, my gosh. It's, that's where the saintly part comes in. You know, <laughs> could you imagine? Uh, think about Nelson Mandela imprisoned for all those years and still able to sustain faith and sustain compassion for his you know, guards and for the government that imprisoned him, the Dalai Lama able to keep compassion for the Chinese. I mean, it's just amazing. But the idea about the ability to behave means it's not just about loving people in some abstract theoretical way. It's easy to love people when you're meditating in the woods. It's hard to love people when you're on a freeway in Houston and somebody's cutting you off. <laughs> you <know? laughs> That's true. And how do you manage that, Cindy? <laughs> well, it's all in how you hold your perspective. If you're in your ego, you feel wronged 
by the stupidity of that idiot driver who clearly never got properly trained. Yes, <laughs> you yes, might, yes. You might question that person's family of origin and what kind of mother and father he or she might have had and so on. And you tell this story about how they're wrong, you're right, you're the victim, they're the aggressor or the persecutor, and you get all caught up in your drama. When you quit telling those stories and you see instead, first of all, just react to the situation, don't have an accident, and then let go the story of whatever it is you think is going on with that person and practice telling a different story where you can imagine I might do the same thing. Now, initially, I used to play this game with myself when I first moved to Houston from New York, where I had been using mass transit, and all of a sudden I was thrown in the 1980s into the chaos of the freeways here, which hadn't been widened yet, and the jam-ups and craziness that were going on here, and I was going home angry every day, and I I seriously gave myself an ulcer. So I realized I needed a new way to process this. I started playing a game that every day I would imagine what would it take for me to drive like that person. And I would tell a very elaborate story about how they're rushing to the hospital. Mother needs a blood transfusion. It's a very rare blood type. I've got the blood type. I have to get there. Okay, I would drive like that under that circumstance. And it just took the anger out of my body. And that skill I call is called by cognitive behavioral therapists the skill of reframing. It's a great skill to get out of our ego. Yes, yes, it is indeed. Okay, so let's take another quick break and we'll be back for our next segment. Much of the time, the illnesses that people feel are simply symptoms, and they mask the root cause of what the real health problem is. You can take back control of your own health, starting with Billionaire Healthcare. This program is hosted by Ashley Black and Dari Samia. Our program will introduce you to fascia, which is the knowledge of the living matrix. This bit of knowledge can bring you the health secrets that only the rich and famous have known. Until now... Listen Mondays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health & Wellness. Dr. Bonnie Morrow's passion is to make healing available in every home around the world. You can find out more about Healing Touch classes available wherever you are. Dr. Bonnie is here to share her knowledge and expertise in energy medicine as both a teacher and facilitator. To use Healing Touch for those you love, contact Healing Touch Texas for a class schedule. You can contact Dr. Bonnie via email at HealingTouchTX at AOL.com or visit the website at transformational-healing.org. Tune in every Tuesday for C. diff, spores, and more with hosts Nancy Kerala and Dr. Chandra Bali Ghosh. Our program is to provide information about C. diff, healthcare-associated infections, and more. Nancy is a C. diff survivor, healthcare professional, and the founder and executive director of the C. diff Foundation. And Dr. Ghosh is the chairperson of research and development for the C. diff Foundation. Together with their guests, we'll explore infection prevention, treatments, environmental safety, and more. Listen every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Health & Wellness.
You are listening to Transformational Healing. To reach Dr. Bonnie Morrow or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to HealingTouchTX at AOL.com. Now, back to Transformational Healing. This is Transformational Healing. I'm glad you're with us today. And uh, we have shouted out to York, England. Cindy is our guest today. And it's her husband's family is from Wigglesworth. Now, isn't that a pleasant name? I like that. So in this segment, Cindy is going to talk to us about techniques. Yeah, so we've been talking a little bit about what is spiritual intelligence, which I define as the ability to behave with love, the ability to behave from wisdom and compassion while maintaining inner and outer peace. In other words, not getting agitated at everyday life. Inner peace makes outer peace a whole lot easier. If we don't get angry in the first place, it's just so much better. But that takes a lot of practice. That's like a muscle that we have to build because the muscle we normally build is the muscle that is a victim story, that gets angry, that gets upset at all these crazy idiot people who are in our lives. So the challenge is to get out of that normal reaction, that habituated reaction, and find a reaction that is more loving and more spacious and allows for all of us to be the imperfect beings that we are. So an example is to think about the grocery store where, you know, most of us have been, and most of us have been in the checkout line on the express checkout. And in the express checkout line, there's usually a sign, limit 10 items or limit 15 or whatever it is. And you get in line behind somebody who it turns out has way more than whatever the allotted number is. So if it says limit 10, they've got easily 20 or 30 things in their basket. And they get up to the front and they're being checked out. And, you know, maybe it's a credit card machine that everybody uses, and this person hauls out a check. Like, who writes a check anymore, right? But not only that, they didn't start writing it until after the thing was totaled, and then they're fishing out their checking book, and then they're writing the check, and they're going through the driver's license check on the check, and you're thinking, oh, my God, this is the express lane. (laughs) (laughs) And so I have people imagine the voice of their ego, which is sort of our less mature self. Now, I don't believe the ego is evil. We need to have an ego. But the ego is the part of us that is on habit, and it sort of judges everybody. So I said, let your ego loose for a moment, and let's just have at this poor person. What are all the judgy, nasty things you're thinking about this person? (laughs) Of course, they'll say all sorts of things like, you know, can't you read? What's wrong with you? Are you this thoughtless? Blah, 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 blah. And so they kind of, you know, and I say, okay, how are you feeling right now? I'm so angry, just even talking about it. Like, even just imagining the situation makes people angry, right? (laughs) So, So it's like, all right, let's take a breath, shake it off, shake it off. All right, now, imagine what might be going on that would cause you to be the person who's in the checkout lane with too many items in your basket, what would have to be going on for you? And then I have them break out into teams and talk about it, because usually the initial reaction is, I would never do that. Right, right. (laughs) (laughs) 
And it's like, okay, sure, you can believe that. Now calm down. Yes. <laughs> we all make mistakes. We all do things. Try and imagine a story. Tell a creative one if it has to be. Maybe the best you can do is I'd have to be a possessed by aliens, but okay, go with that. But, you know, the team usually will come up with some stories. And I'll have them, you know, tell me what stories would cause you to be that person in the checkout line that has way too many things in your basket and you're in the express lane. And somebody would say, you know, raise their hand, I'd say yes, and they'd say, well, maybe I can't read. Maybe I really, you know, there are people who are functionally illiterate. Maybe I, I just couldn't read the sign. And then people's hearts start softening. You can see their faces start to shift. And somebody else will say, well, maybe I'm an immigrant and I haven't learned English yet and I'm just bewildered by this whole American process for shopping. I don't understand any of it, and I just went to the first line I could find. Oh, yeah. Or maybe I'm dealing with an emergency at home, and there's these credible lines on all the other registers, and I really don't care about this stupid rule about how many things in the basket. I've got a family member in crisis. I've got to get home. Oh, okay. And the more stories that people start sharing, you just see everybody's body posture change. And at the end of that, I say, now how do you feel? And some people say, I'm so ashamed that I was judging that person. I have no idea what was going on, you know. Oh, man, I want to help. I have sympathy. I want to rush to help. And, you know, people will start coming up with real-life scenarios. They'll say, well, you know, I was in the grocery store one day, and there was nobody in the express line, and the clerk was just wasting time standing there, and he waved me over and said, come on, I'll check you out. And then other people came behind me, and I was embarrassed because I had too many things. Oh, okay. Now, what's all this serving? This is serving to break down our habituated judgment of other people to say, guess what? You never know. You never know the whole story of what's going on. It's possible that that person in line is a jerk, which is the assumption that we tend to leap to, but there's many other possible stories. And if you just breathe and remember, hey, in the next couple of minutes that it costs me to have this person check out with too many items, is anything disastrous going to happen? Or could I use this extra two minutes or five minutes to meditate, to open my heart, to consider the fact that this person has some kind of suffering potentially in their life that I don't know anything about? And put that time to spiritual weightlifting practice as opposed to putting that time to being outraged and indignant. And if we are spending our time being indignant, we're going to carry the anger home, but if we spend our time breathing, relaxing, imagining what this person's story might be, we'll be a much nicer person when we get home to our own families. That's true. That is absolutely true. It's like I, when I worked, it was like, I'm going to go home and kick the cat, you know, for something that happened at work. I know, and, and we degrade the quality of all our lives, don't we? We do, indeed. Yeah. Yep. Now, you're interested in healing. I would be, can I turn the tables on you for a moment and ask you if you see healing value in this kind of an approach? Absolutely. Uh, for me, healing is spiritual. Mm -hmm. There are, there's just no two ways about it. You know, it's spiritual. So if we can increase our spiritual intelligence or spiritual awareness, that's healing. 
Yeah, I, I would think, and it's been my own experience, many others have said it so as well, that it lowers the amount of anger you have, it reduces your stress, it's got to be good for your blood pressure and for your immune system, your total body health. Absolutely. So that is the reason that I felt that it was important for you to talk about your spiritual intelligence and, and to, for, our, for our listeners to know about it. Wonderful. Well, perhaps I could talk a little bit next about one of the 21 skills that's one of my favorites. Please do. Okay, good. It's skill seven, and it's called awareness of the worldviews of others. And, oh, my, is this a skill we need more of in the world today. (laughs) Probably so. Yeah, and it's very related to understanding that a worldview or a perspective is not the truth. So I grew up as an American, although I was an expatriate for a lot of my childhood, I, my overall perspective is American. What I learned as an American expatriate is that not everybody sees the world the way Americans do. What do you know? <laughs> is that true? No, it cannot be. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, what do you know? There are alternate truths. I was joking with a friend of mine today. I have that gene that makes me hate the taste of cilantro. He loves the taste of cilantro. And we were picking our salads for lunch today, and I was like, ooh, yuck, I can't have that one. It's got cilantro in it. And he's going, oh, I love cilantro. And I go, now there's a pair of worldviews. You have a life experience of that plant that says that tastes good. I have a life experience of that plant that says it tastes like soap. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> worldviews are like that. You know, we get this deep groove going. Now, cilantro thing is apparently biological. Most worldviews are not biological, but... Many are not. Many are not. Some may be, but like introversion, extroversion may be a worldview that's somewhat biological. But the worldview of a conservative, the worldview of a liberal, the worldview of someone who's raised in the United States as an as a black person, and the worldview of a person who's raised in the United States as a white person, the worldview of someone who's raised poor, the worldview of someone who's raised rich, these perspectives, these views of the world are quite different. Spiritual exemplars develop great flexibility in their um, perspective taking. So they can inhabit their own perspective. I'm an American. I'm white. I'm a woman. I have had a wonderful life in terms of being able to access quality education, and I had a great career. So I have a certain set of privileges I have lived inside of. And I can see through that lens, but I can also see the lens. I can see that I have this pair of eyeglasses that are not the only pair of eyeglasses through which to see the world. Many people have had a very different life experience that would cause them to interpret the world very differently. Where I feel safe, they might feel unsafe or vice versa. I I agree with that. And. Having lived overseas, uh, we live both in Norway and in Singapore, and it's very definitely different values, different different yeah. ways of viewing the world. Yes, and, and if you've lived in Asia, you know that we're crazy here in this country for individualism, where in many parts of Asia, their values are around the family and the community first, the individual is second. Those are assumptions that until you leave our society and go somewhere else, you know, you're, you're just shocked initially to see that, oh, other people think differently. 
someone who's developed a lot of spirituality is no longer shocked by those differences. In fact, they embrace them and seek to understand them and become very curious about all the ways in which something can be interpreted. So I think that's a skill maybe we could, in the final segment, talk a little bit more about how to develop. Okay, that's great. Uh, Let's do take a quick break. Dr. Bonnie Morrow's passion is to make healing available in every home around the world. You can find out more about Healing Touch classes available wherever you are. Dr. Bonnie is here to share her knowledge and expertise in energy medicine as both a teacher and facilitator. To use Healing Touch for those you love, contact Healing Touch Texas for a class schedule. You can contact Dr. Bonnie via email at HealingTouchTX at AOL.com or visit the website at transformational-healing.org. Can grief be good for you? Absolutely. It gets your attention, helping you evaluate your choices and relationships. Your losses define who you are. Tune in each week for Good Grief with host Cheryl Jones. Our show features those who have made incredible transformations by grieving their losses. You'll learn how to find your courage and strength. You'll discover the important things in your life and how to let go of things that are less important. Good Grief airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health & Wellness. We are bombarded daily with information about beauty products and anti-aging treatments. Do you know how they have been tested? Are they truly going to make a change or just take the change out of your pocket? Tune in to Shelly's Show and Tell with host Shelly Hancock. We'll bring you the top-rated skincare products and treatments tested by Real Transformation Skin Care Centers. We'll motivate you to make the best changes. Listen Mondays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Transformational Healing, To reach Dr. Bonnie Morrow or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to healingtouchtx at aol.com. Now, back to Transformational Healing. This is Dr. Bonnie in Transformational Healing, and we're glad you're back with us. Cindy Wigglesworth was talking to us about the skills of spiritual intelligence and uh, in reframing and the number seven, which is the values and how, how we look through different kinds of glasses. We, we look through glasses of what we were raised with and so forth. Okay, uh, Cindy, this is our last segment together. Cool. It's, it's flying by. So skill seven is the awareness of other people's worldviews, and it develops along with skill one, which is awareness of my own worldview. And as you know, having been an expatriate, I couldn't understand what my perspective was until I was confronted with a different perspective. So I understood that my perspective as an American was highly individualistic when I was confronted with an Asian perspective that was highly communitarian in its focus. 
<clears throat> each of those things has become, since I was a little child when we first went overseas, uh, an area of fascination to me. What The way I describe this awareness of worldviews is we begin with being able to just listen to a differing point of view. Level one, the apprentice level of this is I can listen to differing points of view. Level two, I seek opportunities to learn about other worldviews. So I go from kind of passively listening to seeking opportunities to learn, a more active stance. At level three, which is kind of intermediate, I can tune into other people's worldviews even during a conflict, so even when emotions are high. At level four, I have compassion for the hopes and fears that we experience as human beings, all of us. There's a sense of all these worldviews are stemming from the common human reality of the fear of death and of the hope for our children and all of those things that we have in common. And at level five, through compassionate understanding, I can see the perspective of any other person, including people who are acting to harm me. So level five is the expert or the saintly level of this skill. So an example for us as Americans is, can we have compassionate understanding for a terrorist? Now, I have used Hitler as an example here to practice, and I have used Osama bin Laden as an example to practice on. And, and what I try to do when I'm trying to use this practice is I'm not trying to say their behaviors are okay. This is a really important distinction. There is no way I condone the behaviors of a terrorist. But can I understand why they do what they do? If they're doing it, they have a motivation for doing it. So there, there must be a way in which, if I'm willing to open my mind and heart, compassion and wisdom, to see from their perspective that I could imagine why someone would choose terrorism or even for, let's just take suicide bombing. Why would you kill yourself over something? Would, what would you have to believe in so strongly to kill yourself? And it really doesn't take too much effort for me to realize there have been many things that our soldiers have been willing to die for throughout American history. We have passionately held beliefs about freedom and liberty, and we send our soldiers re regularly to defend those values. So other people have values. They may not be the same as ours, and they're willing to die for them. We may not agree with them, but... It's, I can gain some understanding that someone might be willing to die for their values. There might also be a religious belief in an afterlife and that certain actions make you eligible for heaven. That's something that Christianity has taught for a very long time. I was raised Roman Catholic. There was a very complex set of teachings around how to get into heaven, and there was purgatory and how many prayers you had to say on Fridays after confession to, you know, clean yourself up, to be ready to go to communion on Sunday, to be spiritually cleaned for Sunday service, and, and what it would take to get out of purgatory and into heaven. So it, it's really not that hard once you develop a little muscle for this to say, oh, other people have different religious views. I may not agree with them. Yet those religious views also have prescriptions for how to get into heaven. Well, when you combine the prescription for what kind of person can get into heaven and combine it with core values that are under threat and create a social situation of complete despair where hope for change has been removed, that is a recipe when people are willing to die for their beliefs.
going through that mental exercise I think is valuable not only for removing some of my own judgment, but potentially coming to wiser long-term solutions for the planet. If we just keep fighting at the level of consciousness that we're at with that hatred, we're not going to break through to the next level. And SQ is about finding higher level, higher self solutions to intractable problems at the ego level, but problems that can be solved at the level of higher self. I understand. Okay, so tell us, tell me one more time. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I'm understanding, Cindy, is that a person that's got a, a suicide, got a bomb, on their chest, and their mother might have helped them put it on. Right. You have to put yourself in the story of that family, of that mother, of that son, and what is going on that has created so much despair that they're willing to engage in this action. Not that we would approve of it, absolutely not, but that we could understand it. And this is really the the primary muscle of SQ, which is shifting out of my egoic personal worldview and taking kind of a God's eye view, like if God or Jesus could say, here's the love through which I see that suicide bomber. I, I believe that Jesus or God or whatever language you have for the divine or an omniscient all knowing being, if there was, depending on your belief system, such a being, if that being could see this person with love, what would they see and know that I am refusing to see? And then I slowly work past my ego to have a little bit of a higher self perspective, a more spiritual perspective, to see with compassion while setting boundaries, to seek for wiser action that will be sustainable. That, to me, is the goal. Okay. Thank you for that. Okay, uh, Cindy, if someone wanted to reach you, how could they reach you? Deepchange.com is my website, and my email is cindy at deepchange.com. And, of course, to learn more about all of this, I would recommend my book, SQ21. I would also suggest um, you can sign up for my newsletter on deepchange.com, and you'll get a free introductory article when you sign up for my newsletter. Um, And there's other resources on my website that are free. So um, look up my TEDx talks. I have two TEDx talks, a lot of free material that I've put out there. All righty. And where can uh, our listeners find your book? It's available through Amazon.com. It's available in Barnes & Noble, through BarnesandNoble.com, and uh, on my website as well. All righty. Okay, Cindy, thank you so much for being our guest today, and we've learned a lot. And thank you, Bonnie. I appreciate the invitation. It's been a lot of fun. All righty. Take care now. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening today. Transformational Healing with Dr. Bonnie Morrow is broadcast live every Thursday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a healthy week.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.